Ringer Films is premiering its first of six films in our music box series, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage, on Friday, July 23rd on HBO. Woodstock 99 tells the story of the infamous music festival promoting unity and counterculture, but devolved into chaos and collapsed under the weight of its own ambition. Watch or stream Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage on HBO or HBO Max now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by... Did I say joined by today? Danny Kelly and Kirk Horlbeck joining me today. It's Friday. You know, you're a little bit looser. It's all right. (laughs) What is wrong with me? Hi, guys. All right. Well, I just took all the air out of the intro. Anyway, we're going to do a bunch of... I'm the off-brand Danny Heifetz today. That's basically the point. We're doing (laughs) name-brand off-brand guys. We're just looking at guys that are really good values on the board today and then also basically it's like you know you go to the store and then sometimes there's the store brand and then the generic is just as good and you're like why am i paying more money shouts out kirkland brand anything yeah usually awesome we're essentially just doing kirkland brand you can get the medicine that's like the active ingredient but you don't have to pay like 12 extra dollars for it it's amazing right like when you get claritin like whatever the acetaminophen i know that's not it but like just look for the off-brand kirkland yeah you just need ibuprofen claritin don't shell out for the Advil. Like, what? What is? Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's what we're doing for fantasy. We're gonna go through all like the generic brand ones. We're just looking for the active ingredient. That's what we really want. Here but first, exactly. reminder that we have our rankings up at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. We have literally hundreds of player profiles and rankings, upsides, downsides. Please check it out. It's really fun. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. There's also Easter eggs that we've. If you find them, go for them. They're fun. We also have some news. Joe Burrow looking. Not great for the Bengals. That's kind of <laughs> tough. Tyler Boyd at practice. I don't know if this was today or yesterday. He said, Tyler Boyd, the receiver quote said, I think Joe's a little iffy on this knee, but it's hard to tell. I think he's ready to go, but he doesn't want to do too much. End quote. Whoa. DK, yeah. you love Burrow. What do you make of this? So there was, yeah, along those lines, basically what Tyler Boyd said was, you know, he just looks a little bit unsure of his knee and kind of trying to like avoid, like for instance, I think there was someone at, pointed out the fact that he was like, you know, lifting up his foot, trying to avoid the sack, like the the people coming in around his feet and everything. It's just, he's still a little bit nervous, I think, about his knee. And I think that makes sense. There's probably not, we don't need to freak out about this at all. I, I don't think just because he's still, you know, like a three or four months away from being a year out. He tore his ACL and MCL. Sounds like there was some damage inside his knee. And yeah, I mean, I get. I, I would say, you know, some people have miraculous recoveries from ACL injuries and they come back and they're just as strong after six months. That's definitely not, I would not say that's the rule. I'd say typically you want to wait at least a year before guys are like starting to run like really hard and, and feel the confidence in their knee. Um, so we're still a ways away from that. And I think it does mean we need to kind of temper our expectations a little bit for exactly how, effective Burrow is going to be early in the season. But I think, you know, overall, like career-wise, I don't, I'm not worried. Um, you know, them not being on the same page, him not being on the same page as the receivers is not a big deal to me yet. Um, but yeah, there was a, there was an athletic report from Jay Morrison and Paul Daner that basically was like, yikes. The offense has just been yikes so far, you know, just like pass rush getting through on every play wild throws, batted down passes, you know, all this stuff. It just looks really, really bad. So, um, again, it's early, but I think 
this kind of confirms what we've heard for a while is that Burrow's not 100%, and he's probably not going to be for a few months. He tore, like, three different parts of his knee, right? ACL, Dude, MCL. the injury was so gruesome, they couldn't even show it on TV. They literally w- refused to show it on TV. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I don't think this is out of expect out of the, like, realm of expectation right now. It's like, it's going to take him a while to get fully comfortable with his knee again. Right, it was, like, week 10 last year or something like that. It was late late November. I'm down on Burrow here. Like, just, I feel like a lot of Burrow's fantasy value comes from the idea that he's a scrambler and a runner. Like, that's not going to happen this year. But, like, is this bother what you have about Jamar Chase for the receiving core? Like, you've got Jamar Chase there. you got Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Like, do you guys knock these guys down? Like, between this and Joe Burrow just, you know, I mean, Tyler Boyd's saying like Joe Burrow's iffy on the knee. And then also, what has Zach Taylor done as the head coach slash offensive coordinator for this offense to give any of us any confidence are we kind of like overrating the bank? Like the Bengals have a bunch of cool players that we like, but is there any reason we should be optimistic about this team this season? Well, I think it's number one, they go fast. They pass a lot. Those are two big things for fantasy. Clearly um, they're going to be playing from behind a lot. I guess I would assume just because they're not a very good team. And so those three things make me excited. However, you know, just if Burrow is not confident and he's not comfortable, and he's not on the same page with his receivers, this is something that we may need to take a step back, move these guys down, make move Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd down just a bit. But again, like it, it, this is something that we're gonna have we're gonna have to see as it how it goes along during the preseason. It sounds like he really wants yeah. to play during the preseason. Um, if the reports continue, like basically the idea is don't re- overreact to one beat reporter story. You know what I mean? He's had a couple of bad practices. Um, if if this is a steady drumbeat that happens throughout the preseason and basically three weeks from now, it's still the same. That's where you can start kind of like freaking out a little bit, but I'm not worried quite yet. We may have to move them down a few spots, but to be honest, I'm not really worried yet. I mean, it's not like we have the Bengals guy. I mean, like Jamar Chase is our first ranked wide receiver and he's 51. We, we don't even have a receiver on the Bengals in the top 50. So it's not like we're going crazy with projections. Maybe Higgins, Chase, and Boyd all being in the top 70 between, you know, 51 and 68 is where we have all three of them. Maybe that's a little ambitious and we can't expect all three of them to last. But couldn't you pivot here and just say, okay, Burrow's less mobile. They're just going to throw a ton. Maybe they go Ben Roethlisberger style and just get the ball out quick every time. Like, is this really going to hurt the fantasy values of the receivers? Are they going to throw less now because of Burrow's knee? No. I think in reality, we we should not call them Cowboys East or Cowboys North or whatever you want to call them. What we probably should call them is Steeler, Steelers Central, <laughs> Steelers West, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are very close together, by the way, aren't they? So I, yeah. Uh, it depends. I, all I know is I know Cleveland and Pittsburgh are like surprisingly close. Yeah. Actually, that's what I think I remember seeing that on the map yeah. the other day. When people were talking about their training camp tour, I was like, holy shit, those. <laughs> I've not realized it's like, they're it's like a three-hour drive yeah. or something. Yeah, listen to you, West Coast guys, just figure out where where cities the rest of America are is kind of funny. Oh, please, East Coast people think that San Francisco and LA are like an hour and a half apart. It's like twelve. Well, yeah, hours. I mean they are. I mean, listen, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. It's, How far of a drive is that? Six, six hours. Well, but if you take the Pacific Coast Highway, it is thirteen, and yet worth it. The only thing between LA and San Francisco is just like industrial cow farms. Honestly, for like five hours. How dare you? Oh, yeah. The I-5 drive is tough when you're going through like... It smells. Like, it permeates your car. No one talks about that. Bakersfield. Your car just smells like cow shit for like an hour and a half. It's unbelievable. You can't... There's nothing It really does. Speaking of cow shit, uh, the New York Giants. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Good segue. Uh, This sucks. Kenny Galladay, receiver, out two to three weeks with a hamstring injury. Mm. This kind of sucks. It's always annoying when a receiver just has that hamstring injury, and it's like it's not going to probably blend bleed into the season. So you just have to decide: Am I going to take a guy who already has a hamstring issue? So it's like we got to bump Kenny Galladay down a little bit. We have him fiftieth overall right now. So it's like I wouldn't take him fiftieth now. So the question is like: How much do you want that? You don't want to overreact, DK. Where would you take Kenny Galladay now that like he's going to miss most of training camp? Yeah. And then you already got to deal with it. And this guy who has not, you know, consistently played 16 games. Yeah, it's a little tough. Um, I will say the interesting thing about both Galladay and then we always, we already talked about Jamar Chase, the guys that we have around him, the receivers that we have in that little grouping in that tier, T. Higgins, who's you know has the same issues that Jamar Chase has with the quarterback situation. And then we have Odell Beckham, who's coming off of an ACL tear. We have 
Oh, uh, Cortland Sutton, who's coming off of an ACL tear. And so, like, that little, you know, group of receivers, maybe we just need to move, like, that whole group I think, down yeah. sl- slightly. And then put guys like Brandon Ayuk, maybe Claypool, Robbie Anderson, you know, whoever, a, a little bit higher. Um, but y- that group is, like, kind of the nervous zone now for me. Like, I don't know. It's yeah, we have to- a little bit harder to pull the trigger on those guys. He's either going to go way too early in drafts or way too late. There's no in between. When this type of hamstring thing happens, he's either going to be a great value or a terrible one. You know what I mean? The other thing that's nerve-wracking about Galladay is all the reports we've heard about training camp from uh, Daniel Jones and from the offense in general is this just look like horse shit. So I guess maybe over the the last few days, I think it has, like Daniel Jones has looked a little bit better. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not optimistic about the Giants offense at this point in the offseason, right? Heifetz, who do you like in the passing game here for New York? So it's, it's Sterling Shepard. I think if Galladay misses time, I think Sterling Shepard gets the most work. But it's like Sterling Shepard isn't quite like the downfield receiver. I think he gets he'll get like a lot of catches maybe. So he's probably more valuable in like a PPR league. But yeah, and we've got him 150, 151 overall. We're going to have to move him up because yeah, at first I yeah. didn't love Sterling Shepard. But if Galladay misses time, Shepard is like the begrudging one. It's not really a he's not he's not really a one. It's more like the Giants have a bunch of twos. Uh, yeah, yeah, Evan Ingram, yeah. I, I we probably have to move Evan Ingram up a little bit because at the end of the day, like he's infuriating. But I, I think that if Galladay misses time, there's some Ingram buzz in the community growing. I feel like I feel like people are talking the themselves into Ingram this year. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. don't you think it's out there? You can feel it. It's yes. palpable. It's, 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 I, it's, it's seeping into my car. <laughs> the Evan Ingram humidity is high right it's, now. It's seeping into That's my weird. car, like that drive from LA to San Francisco. The other and yeah, and then like Kadarius Tony, the Giants' first round rookie. Like I don't think he's going to make a significant fantasy impact in this year. So I would like that's kind of but superfluous. Slayton. I think it's between Ingram. I think Slayton's actually I think the best receiver of of the group. But I think Shepard and Ingram are the two guys that I think. You think Slayton's the better than Galladay? Wow. No, not I said of the other non. Oh, no. okay, got gotcha, gotcha. No, no, no. Uh, the other thing that's very important we have to talk about from Giants camp. Did you see what happened to Jason Garrett today, the Giants' offensive coordinator? I didn't see this actually. What happened? So he pulled the Deion Sanders, which is so people oh. referred. People were like, <laughs> "Yes, I did." Nice see to see you, Jason, in person. He said, "Well, you know, you have to like, you know, he called me coach. Hey, coach, nice to see you in person." And he uh, corrected the journalist who asked who called him Jason. Yeah, he was like, "Call me coach," kind of oh, like with Deion Sanders. Sake. Was like, "Call listen, me coach." Prime. Listen, he's only got like four weeks left of being a coach. Use it up while you can, Jason. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Is this really that important? I God, I'm just like starting to feel like the Giants are going to be a total disaster again this year. It's like when somebody gets an honorary doctorate and they make you refer to them as doctor. Yeah, it's like, like come, come on. on. <laughs> what, what should we be referring our, to ourselves as? What should we insist certain people? Like, Can we be doctors of fantasy? <laughs> fantasy doctors? We are doctor. doctors. In our fantasies, we're doctors for sure. However, I think you should start calling me that. Doctor Kelly. Start giving out fantasy. We should start giving out fantasy prescriptions for people who are <laughs> sick and have their team. Or just snake oil salesman. Um, God, dude. The Giants, Also, we man. didn't even mention the Giants had a giant brawl. Yes, the did. Giants had a so giant brawl. a lot going on over there. Also, Joe Judge made everybody run. Daniel Jones jumped into the pile basically to be a part of the team. He jumped into the pile, got in the scrum to essentially make friends. Daniel Jones. And then they pulled him from the bottom of the scrum. <laughs> so the, I've heard beat reporters Glad say was so that helpful. the reasoning for these players' decision was different than what was happening at practice, but we've already had three Giants come in and retire, or is that... Am I, am three, I missing? Three Giants have retired since <laughs> training camp began. Good sign. Which I love. No, I love it. I love Joe Judge. I am all They're in like, on Joe Judge. Fuck this, The rest I of quit. the team, I have no idea. No, I yeah. love it. It's just like, you know you know what? Get out the heat. Get out the k- kitchen if you can't stand the heat. Like, I love it. Please. Hi, Fitz. Did you listen to Joe Judge on Flying Coach? Oh, yeah. What'd you think? I, I love Joe Judge. Like, I, I am all in on Joe Judge. Like uh, unironically? If the, if the Giants don't make the playoffs this year, I think Gettleman probably goes. I think they probably have to move him from Jones. But I don't think Joe Judge goes if, the, like, if Gettleman goes. I think Giants fans largely, like, love, love Joe Judge. He's very popular. I think so, actually. too. Yeah. Outside yeah. the... It's easy to make fun of, but, like, inside... I don't actually know any Giants fans who don't like Joe Judge, to be honest. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. 
And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. All right, want to get the name brand off, friend? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so again, we're looking for the active ingredients. Sometimes, you know, if you, you know, keep your eye out for whatever that active ingredient is, you can pay a lot less. DK, you want to go first? Another way to explain this is arbitrage. Basically, you cannot, if you, if you don't want to spend, spend up on one of the early round players, what you're looking for is guys that might fit sort of their profile, um, style, may have similar upside, but are far cheaper in drafts. So that's the idea here. My first one example, my first example is Brandon Ayuk for the 49ers versus LaVisca Chenault versus the Jaguars. So, you know, no offense to Chenault. He's going much later in drafts. He is the off-brand, off-brand version of Ayuk. But I think actually when you look at it and think about it, they are similar style players. Both guys are explosive, have good size, uh, can play all three levels. I, well, Chenault hasn't proven it quite as much as Ayuk did it as a rookie, um, but I do think Chenault has that skill set. Um, and I think in year two, both guys have like big jump potential. Both guys are superstars at training at their respective training camp so far. So I'll just throw some numbers at you for, from 2020. Brandon Ayuk finished with 93 targets, 60 catches, 748 yards, five touchdowns. Chenault, meanwhile, 77 catches, 58 Sorry, 77 targets, 58 catches, 600 yards, five touchdowns. They ran a similar amount of routes as rookies. They had almost identical amount of slot routes as rookies. And they had basically 24. There's a difference of 24 yards in the amount of yards after the catch they had as rookies. So Chenault has the edge as a go-up-and-get-it type guy. Um, The big thing that Chenault has to prove this year is that he can operate down the field. I think he can. Based on what we're hearing out of training camp, is he's playing? He's just balling out like he's the best player on the field at times. Um, they're both going to be playing with rookie quarterbacks this year. Well, assuming Trey Lance wins the starting job, which I think we all assume he will at some point early in the season. Um, and then, so like Trevor Lawrence, for, it's a Trevor Lawrence versus Trey Lance question. Who has the edge there? I think it's pretty close. I mean, honestly, I would give Lawrence the edge as a passer early on in his career, and so. Yeah, I just think Chenault, you're getting a very similar style player with the potential to break out in the second year. He's going to be playing in a faster, more pass-heavy offense, I think. And you could make the argument he's going to be the number one in this offense. Obviously, DJ Chark is still there, so that's a question mark. But Kittle is in front of Ayuk, I would assume. So, I don't know. I think there's similar style players, and I just think Chenault is the off-brand version. You're getting a similar type of deal, but much later. Can I admit something to you guys? Yes. I'm kind of into the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Me too, man. I think I kind of like the Jags. One, I think they're an awesome, sneaky AFC South division winner bet. And yep. I think that there's a big like shootout potential, shitty defense, a lot of points. Trevor Lawrence really shows out year one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can roll right into my name brand off-brand here. Is I think DJ Chart could be like an off-brand Mike Evans. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm with you wow. though. Before be, before you started on Chark, which I I like this, I'm pretty excited about Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence could have like a Justin Herbert style, style rookie year. Yeah, I mean even an, an Andrew Luck style rookie year. I, I mean like Reggie Wayne had like 107 catches and like 1400 yards with Andrew Luck's rookie season. But I mean, listen, I'm not saying DJ Chark's going to be Mike Evans. He's a knockoff pair of Gucci slides. You know, <laughs> if you look closely, there's some imperfections there. Sure. It's not so the same. Sure, but. So Chark's going around 70th, Mike Evans 34th. Essentially, you can get him double uh, Mike Evans' draft pick. So Chark's kind of had some Allen Robinson syndrome uh, past. He's a Jacksonville Jaguar receiver, obviously, but the poor guy hasn't played with many good quarterbacks in his life. (laughs) He's caught passes from Gardner Minshew, Bortles, Cody Kessler, Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, Jake Luton, and in LSU, he had Danny Etling. That's it Mm. for Chark. And he's already got an 1,000-yard season with eight touchdowns under his belt. He did that last year. Or sorry, he did that two years ago. Last year wasn't as good, but 
Last year was tough, man. I mean, they had Glennon for five games, Luton. They were actively tanking. And Chark is 6'3". He's got 4'3 speed. And Trevor Lawrence is an aggressive passer. I mean, he's had guys like T. Higgins at Clemson. Like, I think there's a, a great chance that DJ Chark is the red zone guy for Jacksonville. And he's the T. Higgins from Trevor Lawrence's Clemson of the 2021 Jags. I think he's a great value. What is he? How does he remind you of Mike Evans? Is my question. Well, I mean, I more mean Mike Evans in the in the stat line he puts up. I'm I don't I'm not as good as UDK with like actual player comps. I'm saying like <laughs> what Mike Evans does in offenses, like mm -hmm. kind of around a thousand yards, not as many catches as like the Godwin types, like a like a seventy five catch, eleven hundred yards, ten touchdowns, like that stat line. Yeah, I think Chart could be that for the Jags. See, that makes sense, and I think that it, part of the reasoning, um, I think we're promoting some of these Jaguars receivers is we don't really know who the number one is going to be, if, if it's going to be Chanel or if it's going to be DJ Chark. I think both are good bets. And regardless, even if one is number two and, and, and the other one, like basically if Chark is number one and Chanel's two, I'm still going to like Chanel and vice versa. But yeah, I mean, I think if I was going to compare Chark like stylistically to a different player, it might actually be more like a Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson style guy. And I think, mm. but either way it works. Like, this guy could end up being this guy could end up being closer to what he was two years ago, which is like this breakout star. And then he just couldn't get on the same page with Minshew last year. Things went to shit. Like he was, you know, the, he got the award for the worst body language of any player in the NFL last year. Like DJ Shark did. He was like so pissed at uh, at Gardner Minshew for missing him like thirty, which 35 again, times a game. Allen Robinson. That's what Allen Robinson. So used to do. I like the Allen Robinson comp here. I'm going to go with that one. So listen, all my comps today are not about style. It's about That's fair. fantasy value. It's strictly like numbers on a page, not like stylistically how they play. Okay. Yo, got it. All right. Got so it. You, you're saying you got DJ Chark as the off-brand and DK, you're saying LaVisca Chenault. What if I just come in off the top rope right now and saying the actual off, off, off-brand, like real like sketchy ripoff when you Marvin Jones, man. I, I think Marvin Jones might be the best receiver for the Jaguars. Like, here's the thing. I, I can't, first of all, you can do both of the Jaguars. You know what? I don't want to kink shame. You're into whatever you're into. That's fine. Yeah. But if you're into the Jaguars passing offense, which I get, it's not hard to buy into Trevor Lawrence having a good season. Here's what we know. You're right, DK, that LaVisca Chenault's really athletic. I like the IU comp. Like, it's a very similar, like you're betting on talent and upside. My, my issue with what Craig said about Shark is that Urban Meyer straight up said, DJ Shark plays small. And I think that he when coaches say those kind of, is what he, he said, said he played yeah. small last year. Yeah. And I think when coaches say that publicly, it's kind of one of those things of like, you better freaking change that. Now, maybe Chark responds. Like, there's plenty of examples where coaches say something publicly to, you know, challenge a player and then the player rises to the occasion. However, so Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars, and he used to be in Detroit. And then what happens this offseason? The Jaguars sign Marvin Jones Jr. Now, we look at this as, well, Marvin Jones is old and boring and LaVisca's athletic and DJ Chark's really good. I think <laughs> yeah. the coaching staff might be looking at this as, well, we don't know we don't know these guys. We're a new staff. We didn't. Urban Meyer didn't draft LaVisca Chenault. Didn't draft DJ Chark. Urban Meyer didn't even like what he saw on tape from DJ Chark last year. You know the only guy that this coaching staff has worked with? Marvin Jones. And so I'm wondering, Marvin Jones is going like 140th overall. What if he's the most productive receiver for this team in the first half of the season? I like, yeah, this is this is like the levels thing. He's off-brand Chark and Chenault. And, he's and like the <laughs> sketchy thing you can buy on, it's like coming from China and it's yeah, like the instruction booklet's not in English, but it's like, it works. He's he's black market, whatever. Like, yeah, you, have to, like, you get it out of the back of somebody's van. It, it, someone like, Silk Road. Someone opens up their, their like coat and it's full of watches. That's the kind of like. Yeah, well, didn't one of the Ball brothers in Lithuania, wasn't the coach of that basketball team selling meat out of his trunk? <laughs> That's where that's where you get yes. the Marvin Jones, but like you know what? Trunk meat. Sometimes that's the best meat is the trunk uh, meat. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Listen, I think he's an absolutely justifiable dart throw. Late I love drafts. Marvin Jones as a dart throw. <laughs> Do we want to wow, go I any further level down? Meat. Like, should we start no, talking no, about no, Colin, no, no, Colin no, Johnson no, or Jalen Camp? Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Any other? So we, we had any other Jaguars? I can't believe we just talked about the Jaguars that long. You got to toss out Travis Etienne, Mini oh Alan Kamara, god. baby. Hell yeah. Hell more yeah. Jaguars? We got to be more, we got to be fair. The, Travis Etienne, I think, is a arbitrage of DeAndre Swift more than Kamara, in my opinion. 
Again, are you talking about stylistically? Yeah, and just like expectations wise, do you expect? Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but sure, but I think I, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down, though. I understand what you're saying. Like stylistically, they're going to be used in similar ways. Not going to be super duper heavy volume, right? Is that your point? Yes, not heavy volume, high efficiency. The history of first round running backs in their rookie season having a strong year is, is really promising. They average like 17 touches a game in the last 10 years, the average first round running back. And again, it's the only guy Trevor Lawrence played college football with on his team currently. So I don't go. think that can go uh, too understated. I'm writing an article about this, Craig, for our NFL preview about how there's like four guys that are reuniting with their college teammate in the, in this coming out of this draft. So there's Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Burrow and Chase. Burrow and Chase. Uh, Devontae From Smith. From LSU. Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. That, you know, it's like removed a little bit, but. You could even do Terrace Marshall and Matt Rule, even though he's not a player. Yeah. And well, Joe Brady. Oh, um, Joe Brady, sorry. And then also, uh, who is it? Oh, Tua, Tua and Jalen Waddle. Anyway, I think right. it's just kind of fun, but yes. Good the chemistry. Means hit anything? the ground running. Hit the ground running. Do you think it, do you think it means something? That millennials are weak and they're codependent. Like, is it trivia that, you know, these players play together in college or do you think it's actually like can help them get going earlier in their careers? I think it's the latter. I think it, I mean, not only because I'm writing about it and I'm trying to talk myself into making it a good article, <laughs> but I really do think that, so like picture Trevor Lawrence, picture what he's doing as he's, you know, completely overwhelmed, I'm guessing with terminology and trying to learn defenses and the speed of the pro game versus the college game and all that stuff. Having a guy who's reliable, you've been there. And we see this like in basketball, like two guys just understand each other, can pass to each other. And it's like thoughtless. You don't have to like guess at where they're going to be. I think the same could be applied for like Trevor Lawrence when he's like either dumping it off or looking for Travis Etienne down the field. He knows, number one, he knows like what Etienne is going to do. He, they've, done this a thousand times or whatever in practice and in games um number two like he knows his speed so he can lead him the right amount um i think those two things are like it's it's a small thing it's marginal it's not like the only thing that matters but i think it will certainly help and i think that's going to be big for him as a rookie particular because um it's just one less thing you have to like worry about or one less thing you have to think about knows his speed i like that and the jacks have the easiest like one of the easiest schedules in the league this year because they were so bad last year and their division sucks. I mean, Houston oh is going to be terrible. <laughs> Tennessee's defense is going to be terrible. I agree with it's all that. It's not great. And the Colts are just a trash fire right now. Mm -hmm. I think you're right about the Jags as a sneaky division bet because I think the Texans probably are the most pathetic franchise in, in, in any sport in America right now. I think we can agree on that. <laughs> yeah. The Colts. Yeah. I, 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 all right. You guys actually convinced me actually to be into the Jaguars. Wow. Look at that. Yes. Like, I just think there could be a lot of, like, 35-31 games, and Lawrence is throwing for, like, 400 yards a game, and everybody's yeah. racking up points. And we're like, what? Like, it doesn't take long for the flip to switch, and everyone just goes, oh, th like, this is now a team. This is now a fantasy-relevant team. Like, it's going to take one game of Lawrence putting up, like, 389, and we're like, oh, shit. All of these receivers are going to be good. Let's just button this up, then, while we're here. Trevor, what's the highest you would take? When, when would you take Trevor Lawrence among the quarterbacks? Like, would you trust him to be your starting quarterback, or is he just like a really high upside backup quarterback for you to take late? Oh, I would definitely trust him to be my starter. I think right. I think right now, oh, it's tough because I think so. Right now, we've got uh, Tom Brady as the QB twelve, and then we have Joe Burrow QB thirteen, Justin Fields QB fourteen. I think in our next like reset on the rankings, I'm guessing Burrow probably drop a little bit, and I w I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even mind putting Lawrence at 13 or 14, honestly. Yeah, I think I, I can tell you right now, I probably would take Lawrence after the Brady, Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Tannehill group is gone because I think Lawrence yeah. is more upside than like Matt Ryan. and But we also know he's going to start on like Trey Lancer Field. So I think that I would take him at the top of that triumvirate with the rookies. But like, he's also oh, he's going to run. He's going to run too. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I got another active ingredient here. So there's Cooper Cup who in like draft, mock drafts right now is being taken around 43rd. And then there's Robbie Anderson for the Panthers, who's being taken like 76th. So you can wait 40 picks on Cooper Cup and get Robbie Anderson. Now, again, this is not stylistically. They're not like quite the same player. But the stats are like weirdly similar. Mm. Basically, the difference between Cooper Cup last year and Robbie Anderson is like Robbie Anderson had three more catches. He had a hundred more yards and the same amount of touchdowns. Very oddly similar stat lines, but I love Robbie Anderson almost more than I like Cooper cup this year 
or at least it's close enough that I have to think about it for two seconds. Robbie Anderson was misused by the Jets and Adam Gase because it was everything Adam Gase. He goes to the Panthers, has the best year of his career. They put him in space, gets 1,100 yards, and he has more yards after the catch with the Panthers in one season than he did the previous two seasons with the Jets combined. He's really good there. But the difference is like, the same reason you would like Cooper Cup, where you know what he had a lot of yards, only three touchdowns. Matt Stafford's probably going to make the offense better. Cooper Cup will have more than three touchdowns. I think that's the same with Robbie Anderson. Like I think that he Robbie Anderson had 1,100 yards and only three touchdowns last year. I think that gets a lot better. But I actually believe Sam Darnold makes the Panthers better with than Teddy than they were with Teddy Bridgewater. Everyone doesn't share that opinion, but if you're a believer like me that basically Donald was never going to be able to overcome all the different reasons the Jets were a trash fire, now that he goes to a competent team that with a slightly better line but a lot better skill players and a lot better coaching, I and he also, guess what, played with Robbie Anderson. He, Robbie Anderson was the best receiver Sam Donald's like ever had, and they had a good rapport when they were with the Jets. I like Robbie Anderson a lot this season, and the fact that you can get Robbie Anderson to be your fourth, depending on your draft, your fifth receiver, and he could end up being pretty easily like a top 20 guy. I love Robbie Anderson. I think it's a high floor and also a really high ceiling, and you can get him pretty late. It's interesting that last year, he actually did finish ahead of Cooper Cup, too, in half PPR. Yeah! It's like, I think a lot of people aren't buying that he's the real deal. You know what I mean? I think Anchoring. Yes, yeah. They're anchored. And I don't, honestly, I don't know what the answer is. Like, is he the real deal? I think a lot of people well, are Well, here's excited. my fantasy tip. It's take advantage of people being like, ugh, he was a jet? Ugh. Yeah. Well, okay, let me toss one. Let, let me be uh, a voice of dissent here. So they added Terrace Marshall, who, like we said, played with Joe Brady at LSU. And now McCaffrey will be back. Robbie Anderson's whole thing last year, he kind of basically did what everybody thought DJ Moore was going to do. Like they thought DJ Moore right. was going to be like the short guy, yards after the catch guy, you know, zero to nine yard catches. That's what Robbie Anderson was. But now McCaffrey's back. McCaffrey's kind of that guy. I mean, he might be the one soaking up all the line of scrimmage uh, passing plays. Are you worried at all that Terrace Marshall playing in the slot plus McCaffrey running routes on every damn play is could potentially just really eat into Robbie Anderson? Honestly, no, because there's so much room for him to grow. First, I, th I think the team will be better. Like, that's important. Like, the offense with Darnold, I actually think will be better. That's number one. Two, I, I don't think, I mean, Terrace Marshall is a good player. I'm not worried that he's going to, like, significantly eat into Robbie Anderson, like, immediately in his career. I don't think that Terrace Marshall profiles is the kind of guy that's, like, going to come in and dominate and, like, outperform DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson immediately. It, Robbie Anderson's good. And if you're on a different team, would be, like, a lot more of, like, a bigger profile receiver. You're just stuck on the Jets, and they were terrible. Like, in a different world, he's, like, an exciting player that people are excited about. Contract year narrative, too, I think. Contract right? year for Robbie mm. Anderson. And then, again, I can't stress this enough. Before the 40-yard line, the Panthers had the second best offense by DVOA, which is like efficiency. The second most efficient offense before the 40-yard line. They were only second to the Chiefs. Inside the 10-yard line, they were 30th. They went from the second best offense to the 30th inside the 10-yard line. If they can fix that, and they don't have to be great, even if they get to slightly below average, there's just way more pie for everyone to go around. It's interesting. The Once things get condensed in the red zone, that they fell apart. I wonder what that's Well, all I think about. it's because that the Joe Brady Panthers, the offense he brought from LSU, it's all about spacing. And so as the space gets condensed, they certainly like get crunched and struggle in the red zone. Mm. But I also think that's why they were frustrated with Teddy Bridgewater is that, you know, look, obviously the coaches, they have to take some responsibility, but they can't get worse. They literally like, unless they somehow drop from 30th to 32nd, overwhelming <laughs> odds are they're going to get better in the freaking could be like, 30 goal to first go. or 32nd. Yeah. Yeah. You could be first. You could be second. You could be third, <laughs> but you can't be 33rd. <laughs> So I just I think the Panthers are a really undervalued team. Oh man, I can't wait to watch the Panthers. Just off, this is not an analysis, but I think it's just gonna be a lot of fun to see like if Darnold takes a jump. I love these receivers. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is one of the most fun players to watch in the NFL. Do you think um, Panthers players during a down moment are just like kind of asking Sam, like, what was it like with Gase? <laughs> Give me some Jet stories. <laughs> Do you think like Sam Donald talks a bunch of shit or just kind of is like? Yeah, I can't believe I got out of there and kind of speaks about it like he's... He's shell-shocked. Right, he's, like escaped to prison. Yeah, he still doesn't like... He, he hasn't, <laughs> the Randall Cobb. He hasn't worked through it yet. Um, no, he, he just has to see how a competent organization runs and then he's just like, huh. You guys don't right. change your offensive line combination when you get mad? You don't just switch <sighs> who the starters are? God damn it. All right, DK. <laughs> 
Okay, so um, I got a good one here. I think that you guys will enjoy it. Clyde Edwards Alaire is the name brand, and he is going right now for underdog ADP RB fourteen, RB fourteen twenty third overall. Um, so obviously, you know, second round pick, third round pick, whatever. He, he's up there. And then Miles Gaskin is the off-round version, I think, of, of Clyde Edwards-Lair. Obviously, he's not in as good of an offense. There's not as much buzz. His uh, standing with the team is clearly not as strong as Clyde Edwards-Lair. But if you look at what they did in 2020, it's almost identical. Like, legitimately almost identical, their production on a per-game basis My cousin Vinny? Ah, identical. <laughs> so on a per game basis, um, so CEH played 13 games, Gaskin played 10. So their their totals are slightly different. But on a per game basis, Edwards Lair, 13.9 attempts per game, rushing attempts per game, Gaskin 14.2. CEH 61 yards per game, Gaskin 58. They both averaged 0.3 touchdowns per game, so almost identical there. Um, and then receiving, Gaskin actually outproduced. Edward Solaire in in um in that area four point one yard uh four point one catches and almost forty yards re- receiving per game. Ceh was two point eight catches and twenty two point eight yards per game. So they so, both averaged fourteen carries for sixty yards a game and a third of a touchdown was the per game rush. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, look, I'm a fan of Ceh this year, and I'm actually bullish on Ceh. But Gaskin's going so much later because of the uncertainty. You know, he's not as high profile of a guy. But you might end up getting like almost identical production from this guy, especially if the Chiefs keep using like a, a rotation um, at the position. And that was exactly the opposite of what the Dolphins did last year. They just leaned on Gaskin. I mean, his his volume was through the roof. Um, he played like seventy percent of snaps. Um, his target rate was top six in the NFL. Uh, you know, he's averaging fifteen point six rush attempts per game. And um, after he took over in Week Three, and so like obviously those stats that I just noted wasn't even didn't even include it did include a couple games where he wasn't as involved so um i don't know man i just think you know he's a talented guy he's i don't think he's as good as as Clyde edwards hilaire but he's so much cheaper he's just basically the discount version of uh stylistically what you're getting with ceh he's not on as good of an offense but if tua is as good as he's seemed so far in training camp that that offense could be looking a lot better than we think it will yeah, their line sucks in Miami, but I think they just fed him Miles Gaskin the ball at the goal line. I don't know if I've been as surprised in like a few years, honestly, at how much a fairly unheralded young player was just getting absolute faith from this. I mean, I think there was a game where he got like four cons- or five consecutive carries inside like the 15 yard line, like over and over. <laughs> and they weren't subbing out and they weren't passing. And yeah. so it's, the question to me really is, will that continue? Do they sign a veteran? My concern with Miles Gaskin, actually, it's not about Miles Gaskin, but that they tried to claim on Johnson when he was on waivers and they lost. And my mm-hmm. concern is solely whether that, to me, signals they're still looking to improve the running back room. And that's my fear, is that they sign someone like August 30th and we're pissed about it. But if they don't, like, Miles Gaskin's a really good value. I So totally. I totally get that, but like at the same time, they had the whole entire offseason to sign a guy. They yeah, didn't do it. You're right. Honestly, like who's out there right now that could that could take over and be better? Todd than Gurley, who we have a thirty to one bet that he plays football again, and I think I owe you a shitload of money. Inside, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the I would say the, the thing I'm more worried about. I'm not so worried about like guys like Jared Dokes behind him, or you know, Is that uh, Jared Savon, Dokes, Savon Ahmed, or any of the guys behind him. What's that? Dokes, right? I'm not gonna lie. I, I, some, the Miami depth chart gets thin quick. Jared Dokes is their seventh round pick, I believe, or sixth round pick, and he he's interesting. I would say he's a bigger guy, um, but I don't think he's gonna come in and immediately be like in front of Gaskin. I think Gaskin would have to get hurt for for Dokes to be a factor. Um, what I'm more worried about is him not being as big of a part of the passing game as he was last year. Like I said, 4.1 receptions per game. That's pretty solid. And now you got Fuller, Waddle, um, you got, you know, Preston Williams coming back, Devontae Parker healthy. Just, you know, Albert Wilson apparently is like showing out in camp. If those guys are much more involved in the passing game and they're not just dumping it off, dumping it off, dumping it off, then that could certainly hurt Gaskin's bottom line in half PBR and PBR. So that is the one thing I would say I'm a little bit worried about. All right. Like Miles Gaskin. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Craig. So my off, uh, my, my name brand is David Montgomery, and my off brand is Zach Moss. Again, not stylistically, but... No, I think stylistically it's perfect, actually. Oh, okay, good. Like, they're the same type of running back, in my mind. Craig knew that. He did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I was testing you. You passed. <laughs> David Montgomery uh, is going 42nd in underdog ADP. Zach Moss is going 111? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get him in the double-digit rounds, and he's the starting running back on a top five offense. And I know that the, 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 the criticizing of Zach Moss and the bills is that they don't run the ball ever. And when they do, Josh Allen runs it, but he tied Josh Allen in goal line rushes last year. They each had 15. He had more red zone rushes than Singletary. Like if they're going to run the ball, if they're going to hand the ball off, I should say it's going to Zach Moss. And I'm not sure what they're going to do with Josh Allen. You know, I think people always assume that as quarterbacks get older and more established, they start to run you less because they want to preserve you. I don't know if that's going to happen with Josh Allen because he's kind of a maniac. But uh, I I just think he's a great value for what he is. I mean, he was hurt last year. He basically got turf toe immediately. He missed a bunch of games. Then he hurt his ankle late in the season. And he's a receiving back. Coaches like him. He's getting good reports out of camp. One of the Bills reporters, Joe Buscaglia, said that there's a possibility that Singletary is a weekly inactive. Um, because they like Brita. Healthy they got scratch. Brita. Yeah, that's what, I mean, a beat reporter said. Wow. Uh, so the that's reason why I'm good. comparing him to David Montgomery is because if Justin Fields takes over here, he's going to have a similar situation as Zach Moss where he's going to be competing with Tariq Cohen in the passing game and Damian Williams as a backup, plus the big body Justin Fields potentially running the ball in the red zone. Like if you're into the David Montgomery vibe, like go get Zach Moss 70 picks later and you could technically get the same thing. I mean, what J.J. Zacharyson's whole thing is that what how you find value late with running backs is you draft the 1A running back on a team where the running backs are going late in the draft. And that is exactly what Zach Moss is. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Zach Moss, I believe, was... So they are both third-round picks, I'm pretty sure. Um, Zach Moss and David Montgomery both lack high-end speed but are very good tackle breakers, like physical tackle-breaking running backs that can carry a load. I think... The difference here is clearly Montgomery's done it. Zach Moss was disappointing as a rookie. And also, like like all the um, context that you added with Buffalo and the way that they just don't run the ball, you know, and then Josh Allen steals goal line carries. I think those are all legit concerns. But um, I've been taking Moss actually a lot. I, I'm all over this. I like this a lot. Just because I, mean, I he's think he's 111th. Yeah. And he's the, he's the starting running back on a top five offense. I think he's, and I think he's way better than he showed last year. I think he's actually a pretty good running back. Yeah, he was hurt all year last year, and, he, and he's got a bigger body. He's like 10, 15 pounds heavier than Singletary. He's two inches yeah. taller than Singletary. Yeah. I don't think Singletary's like the heavy workload guy. If it ends up being somebody, it's going to be Zach Moss. If he can play 60 to 70% of the snaps in Buffalo this year, he's a steal. Yeah, yeah. and David Montgomery, to your point. So Tariq Cohen actually is not having a good recovery from his ACL. Like, it seems to be a theme this the whole offseason. But Tariq Cohen is not just – he's just not – really as healthy as you would like him to be. He might not really be as much of a factor for the Bears this season, but Damian Williams is also a really good pass catcher. And Damian Williams is the kind of running back who can kind of do everything. So I actually think that David Montgomery and Damian Williams will have somewhere between like Montgomery's not quite a three down back, but it's also not quite a committee, but like I think Damian Williams has a real role for the Bears. I love Damian Williams. Yeah. Everyone forgets like he should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl. I, I mean, look, Mahomes is always, the quarterback's always going to win the MVP in the Super Bowl. But Damian yeah. Williams had like over 100 yards. He had two touchdowns. Like, he was really good. And then he uh, opted out of last season. But he's a really good player. And let it's it's not quite the, I mean, you could say even the Brown, the Bears are like this generic version of, of, the, uh, of the Browns. Like a very, very, very poor man's version of the Browns where it's a pretty good combo of Montgomery and, and Damian Williams, but I, I don't know if Damian, if Montgomery does anything close to what we thought um, usage-wise. Yeah, I'm very torn on Montgomery because I think on like, in, on one hand, I could see him just starting to take over like we did last year where he's just used, utilized in the passing game a whole bunch um, and they unlock him a little bit. Uh, with, you know, with Justin Fields at quarterback, that's going to open up more gaps. It's going to like spread the defense out, make it tougher on the defense. I could see him getting unlocked efficiency-wise. 
by that. But also, like, it's very easy to see, like you were saying, Heifetz, where Damian Williams just come in, comes in, he's the 1B. They, you know, use a very heavy rotation, and it's it's the back to the David Montgomery fold where he's, like, good for 10 points in PPR, and, and yep. you know, you can move on with your day. Versus, like, last year where he was a legit league winner down the stretch. But they had nobody else on that team to get the ball. Like, they literally were going guys off the street, like Ryan All. Like, they had nobody else to play. Now, they, I think they actually made a concerted effort to get guys they can lean on. Yeah, and, and they also drafted guy Khalil Herbert, who is kind of interesting. Damian Williams has been getting a lot of buzz, though, I will say. So, that's starting to make me worry, worried a little bit about... Um, he had, Montgomery. like, 100 yards a game in that 2019 playoffs. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Can I give you guys another, uh, another generic one? So, Mark Andrews... Is like the is like the name brand here. I mean, he's obviously tied in for the Ravens. He's going like fifty seventh, and then there's my guy Adam Troutman, nice hundred and fortieth, tight end for the Saints. He might be the number one receiver on the Saints right now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like what do you want shit. in a tight end with upside? Like, ultimately, what you want is the guys, the tight ends who are in that top tier are Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews, who are tight ends that functionally speaking are the number one receiver on their team. Adam Troutman can very easily join that list. I don't know if there is a single tight end outside the top 120 picks that has a better chance to lead their team in receiving categories than Adam Troutman. Michael Thomas is probably going to miss like the first half of the season. And who knows how effective he is if he comes back. And all the questions you have about the Saints passing game of like, what about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston? What the hell's going on? How much are they going to pass? Is Taysom Hill going to steal carries in the red zone or, or touchdowns? Oh, we have all those thoughts about Baltimore, too. Like, you're kind of getting this similar questions about this quarterback game, a limited offense. How much are they going to pass? But you can wait like 90 picks and get Adam Troutman who might be able to give you like 80 or 90% of what Mark Andrews does. Now, you're betting on talent. Obviously, he's never done it before. But the Saints clearly have faith in him because they have like no other tight ends of consequence on their roster. And that's like always a huge sign of, of faith. It's like teams can say whatever they want. A guy can be athletic. But when they show you with the depth chart that, no, we're, we're, we believe this guy so much, we actually don't have a fallback. We let Jared Cook and Josh Hill leave in free agency. I think Troutman is like maybe my single favorite value in, the, in all fantasy right now. So they did sign Nick Vanette to a not insignificant deal. I don't think he's going to stand in the way. I think he's probably more of like a blocking tight end and, and Troutman will be used yeah. more ver in more versatile ways. We'll see how that all goes. I think, yeah, I think this is a really good one. And this is a good example of like arbitrage and, and name brand off brand and, and the sense that you might end up getting the same or similar upside. I think Troutman's floor is way like lower, but that's fine because you're you're getting him like so much later. Yeah, yeah, that's so the thing. He could be completely awful this year. He could have no right. impact. But the point is, right. he's right. literally a 14th round pick. Who cares? <laughs> totally. Is he good, DK? I mean, he he was very good receiving uh, tight end in college. I believe he won the Mackey Award, the top tight end in college football. Um, I'll double okay. check that. But like, yeah, <laughs> he was a, he was a very talented guy. Um. He was playing at a lower level. Um, let me double check here. He, Fantasy I, football is funny, isn't it? Like uh, you can go through all of these things, and uh, like the ninth question I ask is like, "Is he good though?" <laughs> You're right. Like I like the situation so much, but like, how is he at playing the game? Is he good? He at went it? to Dayton. Yeah, he went like, to the Dayton. Dayton Flyers. He was the first guy drafted from Dayton in like a long time. Hmm. Uh, I'm checking if he won the Mackey. I believe he did. He was a third round pick, like in real life. Yeah. 105th. I mean, yeah, again, I, we don't have to, he doesn't have to be George Kittle. Like he's going in the 14th exactly. round. That's, That's why I exactly. think this makes sense. And again, you can, and then if basically you're just trying to see if you can escape from the constant slog of the tight end streaming. And if you like, you know, if he sucks, you can cut him loose, but you know, anything you can do to not have to ask yourself, what am I going to do at tight end every week, which is the least fun part of fantasy football, other than when your friends all argue with each other in a group chat, anything to get away from that. Kirkland, baby. There Never disappoints. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't win the. He did not win the Mackey. I was. Oh, I'm out. Oh. I was confused. I was confusing him with Harrison Bryant, who is on the. Uh, That's so on the Browns. upsetting. It was such a better point when he won the so best tight end in football award. Switch to Harrison Bryant now. Just pivot. He, he was. Uh, well, well, there Harrison you go. Bryant. There's my favorite. My guy. favorite value on the board is Harrison Bryant. He won the Mackey award. I heard. <laughs> he yeah, did. No, he did. Yeah, I like I love, that. I've always loved Harrison Bryant. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Any other name brand off brand we got here? Any other active ingredients you guys are looking at? Uh, no, I'm good. I think All right. so. 
There's a ton of these. There's a ton of these. And and if you guys have other good ones, like send them over because we're always looking for that yeah. kind of um, email us at like ringer fantasy football gmail.com if you like if you have other on brand or name brand off brand. I also want to read some of the we asked people to email us about is Sammy Watkins good? Wanna go through some <laughs> yeah. of the responses? I'm also gonna check Twitter. I did a poll. I want to see what it landed on. Yes, see what the poll landed on. I, I'm just gonna read some some clips of what people said. We got something from Stuart, which is <laughs> Uh, if you ask me if Sammy Watkins is a good player, I think he is. I guess I missed all the injury stuff, but in my mind, he's a solid second or third receiver. It's like, okay. <laughs> We've also got someone, Mark wrote in that if Sammy Watkins gets over the thousand yards in the ha Happy Gilmore theme, if Sammy Watkins is over the thousand yards, it's the happy place where like his grandma's winning all the slots. <laughs> and if Sammy Watkins yes. is like under 500 yards, it's the one where like... <laughs> Shooter McGavin's making out with his grandmother yeah. in the shooter like, in the Gene He's Simmons like, mask. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Those, Those are, are good. the two. Sammy a happy Watkins. place. So the poll ended up, there was 840 votes. 57% said that Sammy Watkins is good. 43 said he is bad. <laughs> Sounds about right. Glad that's settled. Yeah. Glad we could get a definitive answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sammy Watkins kind of sucks. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. <laughs> Email us fun facts. Email us. I don't know. What do you think of Sammy Watkins? And then also name brand off brand, whatever you got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Um, I don't know. U.S. patent law for the 20 year. I'm glad they can't just keep the patent forever. Like that's probably good. Thank you. Uh, the next Kansas City Chiefs, the Jags. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second to register that. Thank you, Jacksonville. Greatest city on earth. Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. Thank you, Mark Morrison. Okay. Return of the Mac. Do you look up oh, yeah. the the like the person you do you think of it off the top of your head or do you think or do you actually look up a band? We were talking about the Mackie Award, so I I, re I remembered the song Return of the Mac. Okay. Oh, okay. That was my train of thought. I don't want you looking him up because that. Well, that's this is gonna get ugly if I don't look. Looking them up. up is not the point of this episode. <laughs> I agree. We want you to put you on the spot. That was gonna like start the entire yes. premise. Just doubling up on like every artist I've already said. So. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>